Romans chapter 12, verses uh, 1 through 6. I'm going to be reading them, but uh, before I do that, I wanted to... I, I came across this uh, article about... The, the title of my message today is Placing Your Life Before God. And uh, Placing Your Life Before God. And some of the things that we've been talking about already have, have shown how that that is so important. And the... the um, a little thing that I came across this week is about children playing. And children playing, it's one of those sounds when kids are playing that you really don't mistake for that, you know? Uh, whenever uh, there are sounds that we hear, um, sometimes when there's a storm coming, we think there's a train, you know, sounds like a train. Uh, whenever there's uh, different sounds going on, was that a car, was that a bus? You know, was that a tractor? Oh, and whenever I was, uh, we were traveling out in, uh, in Kansas in the motel, uh, I heard this sound outside the window, and I said, that's a combine, you know. <laughs> so I opened the windows, and sure enough, it was a big old combine going down the road. So there are sounds that we hear that are very familiar to us, and they're unmistakable sounds. Well, the unmistakable sound of children playing on a playground their joyful, their joy-filled laughter easily lightens the load and replaces the heaviness of any day. There is a musical quality to the laughter of children. Picture this scene as you've seen at dozens of schools, playgrounds where you live. The lawn is a beehive of laughter and activity, skipping, hopping, and jumping. A game of chase ensues, and then at one corner someone falls, and a few tears will be will uh, follow before a friend walks over to provide a hug. The child, is, um, the child is helped to her feet. A friend whispers something in the fallen one's ear, and the, simple, quick, um, and the smile quickly appears. Soon they are dashing off and running again and forgetting the stumbling or even what caused it in the first place. So with that in mind, I thought I, I want to read Romans chapter 12, um, and this is, um, I'll start with verses 1 and 2 uh, of the Message Bible, so I, I don't think you have that version in front of you, but I wanted to um, read verses 1 and 2, and this is something that has been, we have in front of us, magic of, uh, of, of technology. This is, this is a verse that's been on my mind for the last couple of weeks, and um, don't worry, the idea of children playing and so on. I wanted that to be part of our message in the sense of what is ordinary? What is our ordinary life? And whenever we are placing our life before God, I want us to think of it not as some extraordinary, grandiose thing. I want us to think of it in the terms of what it, what it tells us here. So, um, so here's what I want you to do, Scripture says. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. 
unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. So I want you to take I want you to take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, walking around life, okay? I want you to take your everyday eating, drinking, eating, sleeping, working, walking around life, (laughs) okay? Got that in mind? Now, this past few weeks, there have been many changes, um, and many challenges to our life, especially for myself. And, and I've, how can I be more effective? How can you be more effective? How can I be more effective in what I do? And how can I be more effective has been a question kind of haunting, haunting, stirring, uh, driving. How can you be more effective in, in what you do and how you present yourself and how you work with individuals? This text has, has been then kind of like a prayer that I've been looking at and pondering over. Placing my life before God is an offering. And the Bible in another translation says that we are a living sacrifice. So whenever we are an offering and, and a sacrifice, God wants us to offer ourselves, not some animal of the Old Testament type, but as an individual who is a living sacrifice daily laying aside our own desires to follow him. Now, when you think of that, walking around ordinary life, that I have to be a living sacrifice for God, and I have to uh, do something, all right? And I, I have to, some obligation to fulfill, some duty to perform. And that's really not what this verse is telling us. If things are not, now back up a little bit, and I, I, I kind of, found another quote here and stuck it in here. It says, if things are not going well with you, begin your effort at correcting the situation by carefully examining the services that you are rendering, and especially the spirit in which they are rendered. So if I am looking at my walking around everyday life, and I want to be more effective in my walking around everyday life, I have to examine what spirit that I am serving, or what spirit that I am walking around in. And I mean a spirit of negativity, or a spirit of being positive. A spirit that God's spirit is with me, that God is helping me in all my things, and not the one that I am, you know, I'm alone in all this, and, you know, I can do it my way, and all that kind of stuff. So begin placing ourselves, then, at God's disposal, and trusting Him to guide us. So here I am taking my everyday walking around life and I am asking God, asking God, key here is asking God to be part of my life, to be part of my everyday life, to guide me in what I am saying and doing and going. So imagine life as an altar. So here I am on the altar of life the altar that I built my life to serve God, and I am walking around on this altar of sacrifice to God. Hmm. Now, do you think children playing in a playground has anything to do with an altar of sacrifice? 
And the answer is yes. Because children playing are not thinking about how that they are... They're not thinking about how special they are. (laughs) They're not thinking about how unique they are as individuals. They are not thinking about how wonderful they are. They're just playing. Their life is an ordinary expression of themselves at play. And sometimes whenever we think about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to God, we are thinking about how that we have to be something different than who we are. But in reality, it is our ordinary selves that we're trying to find and trying to bring to the surface the ordinary person that God formed in our mother's womb and that he knew us before we, we at conception and he had plans for our life. And it isn't some tightrope of altar walking, you know, tightrope of life in which I'm trying to discover some higher purpose. I am discovering my higher purpose when I am myself as children at play, being themselves. God has good, pleasing, and perfect plans for his children. God has good, pleasing, perfect plans for his children. Try saying that a number of times. God has good, pleasing, plan, perfect. Didn't say that very well. Good, pleasing, perfect plans. (laughs) You ready? Good, pleasing, perfect plans. Thank you. Good, pleasing, perfect plans. Good, pleasing, perfect plans. That's just a, you know, okay. God has those for us. And so what are we supposed to do? Then we are to embrace that good, the, the good things that, that God is doing. And what God is doing then, what God has done for us. So what has God done for me? What has God done for you? Well, I'm going to skip down to verse 3 in this, you know. I want to skip down to verse 3. Now, Paul is writing this letter. So we've got that we are to bring our what? Our everyday ordinary life to God. Then he goes to verse 3. He says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude. When Paul's writing this, he says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. And especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does, in pure grace. Now, what is God doing for me? What has God done for me? It's called pure grace. Paul is the author of this, and Paul's experience has been that he prayed. He prayed three times. He had a problem. Now, we're not really sure what his problem was. He called it a thorn in the flesh. He had a thorn in the flesh, and, and, it, was, and it, was, it was something that bothered him immensely. It bothered him so greatly that he prayed to God three times for it to be removed, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. It's not going away. It was God's way of his relationship with Paul to, for Paul to be reminded that he was in a relationship with him that was greater than himself. Now, we often have a problem with our thorns in the flesh, (laughs) our problems that don't go away. 
But one of the things that Paul was able to write about was pure grace. And in, 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 in second, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, he says, I thank God for your lives of free and open access to God given by Jesus. We want to know what pure grace is. Pure grace is free and open access to God given by Jesus to us. Here is my life my everyday walking around ordinary life is surrounded by pure grace, free and open access to God. So Paul, in his difficulties, and his difficulties with his thorn in the flesh, found out that nothing obscured that pure grace, that free and open access to God. So here I am in my playground experience, my everyday eating and sleeping and walking around life. I have this openness to God. I have this direct path, this direct access to God. And nothing obscures it. Free and open access. Now, I hope you don't don't lose me now. (laughs) Back to verse 3. It's important it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. It's important that we don't look at our life in saying, God, you are really lucky because you got me. (laughs) Do you know how lucky God is when he has me? He's got all my talents. He's got all of my abilities. God, you are so fortunate. (laughs) That's what the, the, the scripture here is telling us. Don't think that. It's important that you not misinterpret yourself. It's important that you don't misinterpret yourself. In our everyday walking around life, Don't misinterpret who you are. Don't misinterpret who you are. It isn't that you have something that God needs. You don't have something that God needs. You see, we look at this and say, God loves me because I'm so lovable. (laughs) Oh, you're so cute. All right? It's not that at all. In our everyday walking around ordinary life, don't misinterpret that God loves you because you're so lovable. No, God brings it all to you. God brings it all to you. See, the only accurate way to understand ourselves, this is the Message Bible, uh, speaking about verse 3 here, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what He does for us. The only way to understand this every day walking around life is not that I'm so lovable and cute and God gets everything that I am, It's that God is doing everything for us. By what God is and by what he does for us, not by by what we are and what we do for him. 
So when I am going about my everyday walking around life, God is doing things for me. And it's not about what I can do for him. So it takes the emphasis off of how valuable now you are, each of us are valuable. And each of us have a part in the body of Christ. But the value is in what God puts on the inside. And how what God puts on the inside works its way out through our life. You know, I said at the funeral for my mom, my mother was a wonderful person. Not because she was a wonderful person, but because she had a wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ who made her a wonderful person. My mom didn't pray for us, us, because she was a wonderful person. She prayed for us because she had a wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ, and she felt that that was her, the best that she could do for us, was to pray for us. She genuinely, she genuinely felt that way. You know, I, I said in Sunday school, I had, I had, I had an aunt that totally robbed my mom of her inheritance. I mean, she took everything. I didn't like my aunt very well. But you know what my mom said? She said, that's okay. Our relationship, my relationship with her is more valuable than any amount of money. And she would call my aunt, pray for my aunt, do everything she could for her aunt, for her sister, because that was her sister. She looked beyond her fault and saw her need. You know, me, I get a little sidetracked, you know. <laughs> I think my aunt shouldn't have taken my mom's inheritance. But she did. And she felt justified in it. My aunt, my aunt felt justified in it because of the situations. And my mother wouldn't allow anything like that to disrupt the relationship she had with her sister because that relationship was greater than any financial gain. You see, you take your everyday, ordinary, walking around life with all of its difficulties and circumstances and problems, and it's not about you, because if it were about me, I would be holding a grudge, I would be, you know, upset and so on. But you see, I can't allow, my mother, would, my mother wouldn't allow that to happen because of her relationship with Jesus Christ. She wouldn't allow that to happen, and she would pray for my, her sister. She would talk to her sister about God, and whenever her sister died, her sister died in her faith, on our relationship with Jesus Christ, and she saw a great relationship, a great perspective of Jesus Christ in my mother and in that relationship that was not cut off because of problems. You see, in your everyday walking around life, it's what God brings. It's what God brings to you. It's not the circumstances that are dictating what is your response to it is. It is God's love in your life that is going to take and make a difference in who you are. You see, placing your life on the altar and you becoming a living sacrifice sounds like it's all up to me. Bringing this goodness to God. I bring my life as an offering to God. It's all about me bringing it to God. No, it's about what God brings to my life and how I am responding to it. 
God brings it all to us. You see, who gives us life? Who gives us breath? Who gives us hope? Who gives us a future? It's because of our hope in Christ, our future, that we have power to make decisions in the present. God brings it all to us, and we are part of living it out. Yesterday, we went skiing. <laughs> Late. For some reason, we were tired. <laughs> we slept in. And you've got to understand, I, I want to be at the slope parked by 8 o'clock. I hate to ride the bus. My, my, I despise rising, riding the bus at the ski slope. Okay? And, you know, you, some of you just, what? I, hate the bus. I don't like to ride the bus. I want to be there by 8 because then I can park in the lower parking lot, walk into the lodge, walk down to our locker, get dressed, and go out on the slope and be there and be the first ones out so we can go down the corduroy. Corduroy is the, what the ski slope looks like after the groomers have been up. Some of you have never seen that. <laughs> the first people on the slope get to ski the corduroy. It is so smooth. It is beautiful. There's no mounds and whatever. It's all just perfect. Yesterday was, we slept in, and I remembered this verse. Let your everyday walking around life, you know, let it, just let it be, David. You know, let it alone. Just go with the flow. It'll be fine. Give it as an offering to God. How can I be better at giving my life to God? I've been, I mean, I've been thinking about these things. So as I'm driving over there, I'm thinking about this verse and how I'm going to preach it tomorrow <laughs> and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going through this whole process and we get to the slope. Sure enough, we park up in the upper parking lot in the furthest corner, you know, and we got to get our stuff and walk over to the bus and you know, I'm not too bad over it, you know. It's, I'm going to go with the flow here and walk over. And we're walking over, and sh just as soon as we're there walking over, I see this guy walking towards us. And he's a friend of ours from the past when David was a ski racer, and his son was a ski racer. And his son is the one who was an excellent, excellent, excellent skier, just like David. We talked about this, that there were four or five of these guys that skied, and no matter where we went, they won. One time we went to a ski slope out near uh, Harrisburg, and uh, we registered, you know, registered. They were all interested. Who are you and where are you from? And we registered. We're from Seven Springs, the WPRC race club, and they looked up at us and said, why are you here taking our trophies? <laughs> you know, because these, the, these four kids, four or five of them, no matter where they went, they always won. They, you know, between, the race was always between these four kids. And this guy's son was one of them. Well, his first run down the slope this season, you know, he's 30-something he's years old, his first run down the slope this season, something happened, got out of control, spun around, hit a tree. And his dad, I mean, he's been in a nursing home since. Surgeries, busted his leg, busted his hip, just totally smashed everything, and he still got another four or five months of rehab. And his dad wanted us to pray for him. Your everyday, ordinary, walking around life, God has a way of bringing it to you. 
his grace and his mercy. And how, and the things that he wants us to do. And what impact is our prayers going to have upon his son? Only God knows. And as we were leaving, of course, I have to take the bus, hate the bus, walk out of the lodge. Who's there but another kid that raced with David? He's waiting on the bus. <laughs> Not the bus we're taking. He's going back to his condo. And there we got to talk to him, and he got to talk to us. And it was just a nice group of people. You know, people often said, I remember back whenever uh, David was racing, he would always do on a Sunday, you know. It's always Sundays. And, and, you know, and I remember our presbyter at the time said, how can you let your son go on a Sunday and miss church? This isn't for you to miss church. I'm telling you this, okay? You understand that? Ryan, you listening? Okay, all right. He was reading something down there. I just want to make sure he's listening. <laughs> I pick on our kids. Uh, Brian, who was here for the funeral, he remembers me. Brian was a relation to, uh, to Brian Harker. He was a relation to Dorothy Dingus. And Brian's how old? How old's? How old is he? He's 42. He's Brian. He remembers me picking on him. <laughs> so you're in an elite group. But, uh, but the idea is that, that God has a way of, you know, working things out. And here is this, you know, my presbyter says, why, how can you let David go on a Sunday? Because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, we are in a relationship in which God is bringing his life to us. And those individuals that were part of those two or three years of our life at Seven Springs on a race team are still a part of our life. We see once, twice, three times a year, and every time these individuals are wanting to know about David, wanting to know what he's doing, and about his missionary work. And many of them have sent money to El Salvador to work because of, to the work in El Salvador because of a two to three year period in which we traveled around the country racing. What is your everyday life, your work life, your school life, your extracurricular activity life in school with friends? What about us as adults, our everyday working around life, the things that we do? You see, verse 3 says, the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us. What he does for us, it is that pure grace that God is doing things in our lives. God is love and grace and mercy. And what he does, he forgives, he empowers, he calls us. You can't live the Christian life without God's help. You cannot be a Christian without God's forgiveness. You cannot live for God unless the Spirit of God lives in you and changes you from the inside out. It is that pure grace. And it is the little everyday eating, sleeping, going to work life that God is involved in. And I am being a living sacrifice. I'm not grumbling and complaining about the day that God has given me. I have to work on that one. <laughs> I have to stop grumbling and complaining about the day that God has given me. Because it's this everyday life that the pure grace of God is being given to me. 
the pure grace and the love and the mercy, the strength, the character of God is being given to me. It's being given to us. It's not about me walking the tightrope of Christianity. It's about me allowing God to come to me in my everyday eating, sleeping, going to work life. God is coming to me. He's coming to me. And as I was walking to the bus stop, and there's this man coming to me. This man, not that it matters, is a multiple, multiple millionaire over and over again. He walks up to me and wants me to pray for his son, whom we met when David was 15 years old, 17, three-year period of time. He wants us to pray for his son. It doesn't matter our station in life. It matters who we are in the body of Christ. You see, it isn't about what I am giving to God. It would be like, you know, the, the scripture talks about, and, and later on it talks about how that we are in the body of Christ. If you chop off your hand, when it's disconnected from the body, what is it? It is nothing. You and I are part of the body of Christ. And as part of the body of Christ, we each have our function and our purpose. And God's grace is coming to us. His, his, his grace and his mercy and his love, it is God coming to us with life. And as we receive that strength, just as the hand can't function without the brain, we can't function without Christ. And Jesus Christ in our life supplies us with the strength. And it isn't that the hand is so special and the finger is so special. It is because the life is coming to us and the body is living and functioning as part of a living, functioning organism. Your life, my life, our purpose is in the body of Jesus Christ and we are having an impact on all around us. Joe? your family, each of us, our families, our friends, our experience at Seven Springs those years ago for three years, our everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, walking around life has an impact on everyone around us. Your cheering, your sports, your thoughts, your friends, your music. What can you separate? What can you separate that's not part of an ordinary life dedicated to God and God is bringing it to you? And it's part of us is accepting it and allowing his grace and his mercy to work in us. Amen? 
I didn't get you out before 12. <laughs> no problem, man. No problem. That's God coming to you, giving you grace and mercy. <laughs> but do we get the picture? Do you get the picture? Remember this, this week, your day, your everyday life. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, and going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to the, to the culture that you fit into. We're not being adjusted to the culture. The culture we live in is generally self-centered and, and, and um, demoralizing. Don't become so well-adjusted that you fit in. Instead, fix your attention upon God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what God wants from you. Love, forgiveness, mercy, grace. Let it be. <laughs> let it go. Forgive him, let it go. Poem we read at my mom's funeral was Let It Pass. It was her favorite thing. It's this huge poem. She could quote you the whole thing. <laughs> let it pass. You'll be changed from the inside out. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. What is all this about? God bringing the best out of your life. Because each of us have something to give to the body of Christ. It's not about me. What I bring to God. It's what God brings to me to bring the best out of me.